0: The most action-packed content from the top mobile experts. This is the App Masters Podcast with Steve P. Young. Check ASO is an analytical ASO platform that provides you with up-to-date data on keywords, competitors, ratings, and reviews. It also grades your ASO level and gives you custom tips on how to improve it. This way you can increase your app page visibility, organic traffic and installs with every update. Try it now for free for seven days at checkaso.io. That once again is checkaso.io. We all have developer horror stories from language barriers to bad code to developing on time. That's why I recommend using B7 dev. .com. They're affordable, fast, and more importantly, trustworthy. Go to b7dev.com. What is up App Nation? It is Steve Young, founder of AppMasters.com, the place you go when you want action-packed content related to helping you grow your app downloads and more importantly, those revenues. And today I got phenomenal guests had his partner back in 2019. Now he's come on to share how they've doubled in size. So I'm super excited. And what went wrong in the very beginning about maybe spending a lot of money on an app version that they weren't completely happy with? So we're going to get into all of that and so much more. His name is Brian Clayton. He is the co-founder and CEO at GreenPal. It's been named the Uber of long care by Entrepreneur Magazine and has over 200 thousand active users, completing thousands of tra- transactions per day. So super excited to get into this marketplace. Brian, welcome to the show.
1: Thanks for having me on. It's great to be here.
0: Brian, you know, I have I have a lot of experience actually in marketplaces. I used to work for a couple of different marketplaces before I decided to delve deep into the app space. It's such a hard category to get into. I'm sure we talked about this with Gene, but when you guys are just starting out, like when you're starting a marketplace, you need supply and demand. Where did you guys decide to target first?
1: You're right. It is very challenging to get a local marketplace getting get going from scratch. You know, yeah. getting one off the ground is really hard. It's almost like a labor of love and and faith in the early days particularly a locally constrained marketplace like ours that connects buyers and sellers on a local basis kind of adds another order of magnitude, making it more difficult. And so for us, we, uh, we, the only thing we had really at our advantage was a couple things. Um, I had domain experience in the industry. My, my first business before starting green Pal was a landscaping business. So okay. I started mowing yards in high school as a way to make extra cash stuck with this little lawn mowing business for 15 years and built it into one of the largest landscaping companies in the state of Tennessee, ultimately getting it over 10 million a year in revenue 150 employees and I sold that in 2013 and after selling that and retiring taking some time off I got bored and I thought, okay, I want to start an easy, like that was really hard. I want to start an easy company. Now I'm going to start a tech business. And boy, I didn't know what I didn't know. And uh, and so recruiting Gene and my other co-founder, we went to work and we didn't realize how hard it was going to be to get the marketplace, the Uber of lawn care, if you will, uh, going from scratch. Uh, but I at least understood the industry. I understood the lawn mowing industry. I saw how difficult it was every day running that business for smaller lawn care services to, to operate their business and get hooked up with with clients that want their services and and so just i just having that domain experience having those scars kind of helped us start on first base and helped us kind of hack some of the things that we needed to kind of like spoof in the early days mm. in order to get the marketplace going and uh, and so just that just that focus of starting small, like we 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 spent like four years just in Nashville, Tennessee, trying to get the marketplace rolling, uh, trying to figure out what the what the product needed to be to solve the problems for both sides of the transaction, and and just slowly learning from every failure and going from failure to failure without a loss of enthusiasm, until we figured out the the the, the how to how to orchestrate the balance between buyers and sellers and how to get them on the platform at the same time, just took a long time. And, and it was one of those things that, you know, we, we we just made the commitment that we were going to stick this thing out as long as it took and we celebrated very little small wins along the way uh, our first year we wanted 100 transactions that was it 100 transactions in one week that's that awesome. was all we wanted It's 100 trans now as you know as we speak thousands of transactions are happening but we wanted 100 transactions in one week we busted our ass the whole year and we ended the year with like 57 transactions in a week so it was like just like really just trying to like focus on the things that were happening and this and just like everything that's big starts small and it's not giving up. That's how we got it going.
0: I love what you said. Four years in Tennessee. Like, I think, you know, I talked to a lot of founders, Brian, and sometimes they want to go too big, too fast. And I like that approach. hundred transactions per week. And that's all you're trying to go to. Because I, mean, I think this applies to like, when you say marketplace implies a dating, can, which is very popular, right? Like a lot of people are still trying to get into new dating apps. And we say, look, I think there's no real way to success when you're trying to build an app like this, but there's one surefire way to fail. And that's trying to go too big, too fast, because you need a marketplace. You need people in a very concentrated area trying to find matches, essentially. That's
1: right. That's right. All that matters is 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 really is focusing on one metric and just trying to move that one metric. And and that metric needs to be an active metric. And for us, it was weekly transactions. That was it. We didn't worry about anything else. We didn't worry about signups. We didn't worry about uh, app, you know, views. We didn't worry about like anything other than what are the things we have to do to drive weekly transactions, and we have to move that number up. And it didn't really matter, like. We could get all the transactions we wanted just in Nashville and and we just needed to make it work there. And after we figured out that we can make it work there consistently and predictably, then we can move into other cities. The other thing that we had going for us, I think there's correlation between the least sexy and glamorous your idea, the better your odds of success. And so like the lawn mowing business is, 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 is a pretty ungl you know, non-glamorous business. And, and so I think just, just us working on this one problem, this one chore that homeowners face that they just want to be able to push a button and get done kind of enabled us to go slow and take the long view. It wasn't like this big arms race that Uber and Lyft went through or that, you know, all the scooter companies went through or, or like in the dating space, you know, like a bumble or a tender dynamic, there wasn't like this huge, like arms race in this huge, Huge land grab because really nobody else was, was looking at the space. So I think if you can, if you can just throw your life's work into a space that really nobody else is, is paying attention to, and is being willing to take the long approach on it, then that's a way to kind of like, like grind your way into liquidity and success. And that's, what's helped us.
0: I like that. Brian, you actually talked about maybe hacking through the early days, just figuring out different hacks. Do you remember one of those hacks in the early days? That you're oh like,
1: yeah, yeah, absolutely. Okay. So, uh, you know, one of my favorite quotes, somebody smart said it, um, you know, you got the chicken and egg problem and you kind of have to fake the chicken. Uh, and so you have to hack one side of the marketplace in the early days to, to, to get, the, get the, the, the initial spark of critical mass between buyers and sellers. The way we did that, um, was that in the in, in in the early days we would cold call on Craigslist every single lawn mowing service in Nashville that was advertising. And I would call them and I would get them on the phone and I would say, hey, you know, uh you probably here's the thing. In Nashville in in 2013 if you were in the lawn mowing business you knew who i was because i was like the only guy who had ever built the landscaping company to eight figures and sold it and and so and so in that one little small community nashville tennessee landscaping contractors i was a rock star and so i could call these people and they would be like is this really you and i'll say yeah no it's, it's me and I, and I you know hey, i thought you sold your company why aren't you on a beach somewhere I was like yeah well i, I did that and i got bored now now, this is my new thing. Hear me out. Um, do you want to try it? And like, yeah, sure. And, and so as part of that discussion, I said, and I will give you free coaching on how to grow your lawn mowing business for the next year. Hmm. And and that one little thing enabled us to get our first hundred contractors. And wow. that was like the, the, the glue that closed the gap between the really terrible product that we had and 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 like enabling them to use it and and be engaged with it while we focused on the homeowner and consumer side of it so it's like okay we got these guys on the shelf the app is horrible doesn't have the features it needs but we can't really we only have so much bandwidth we have to focus now on the demand side and now these folks are on the shelf ready to be hired um and we have some time now let's focus on the demand side and that's how we got through the first several years
0: okay what did you do on the demand side now
1: so on the demand side, the first thing we did, and 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 so this is summer of 2013, we paid a dev shop to build the first version of GreenPal just so we didn't know how to build software, and that was that was a mistake, but at least we had something to get into the marketplace. So the first thing we did was was uh, we needed people to use this, this this crappy app that we had just built and we passed out door hangers all over nashville like 300 like, something like 100 200,000 of these things and uh, i got bit by a dog two times and and i was so like you're personally
0: going out and hanging personally yeah I hanging love them. This, like,
1: like like to, like <laughs> even to this day like i can still hang one of these door hangers with my eyes closed cuz i have the muscle memory i've done it so many times and my co-founders did too and, uh, and so that got us like the first few hundred people to try the app out. And that's what we needed. We needed a couple hundred people to try it because we were, at the time we were reading a book by Steve Blank called The Startup Owner's Manual. And that book just beats into your head that customer feedback is everything like it's not it's not about the money in the early days. It's about one thing, customer feedback, get the feedback from the users, because only then do you even know if you're if you're on the right track, if you're building something that people want. And so yeah. we, we were able to do that. And we, we got the first hundred or two hundred people to try to use the app. And we would meet with all of these people and they would tell us like all the reasons why we sucked. Uh, no bids came. Bids were too high. I hired somebody didn't show up. I hired somebody They showed up, but they did a crappy job or I hired somebody. I called them. They didn't call me back or even on the contractor side too. It's like, Hey, uh, this is not in my area. Um, I don't like, I, I got out there. The grass was eight feet tall. Um, all of the, like the million things that can go wrong. We were confronted with this. And so we were confronted with all this negative feedback, but there was one thing we never heard. I don't need this. We literally never heard that. And so that was enough validation for us to keep going and mm-hmm. and so that the book uh, and the methodology of customer discovery and getting out of the building and talking with users is, is a good one because it keeps you on the right track of building something that people want, that people need, and that they will pay for and they will keep paying for. And we just followed everything that book talks about. And that was the, the thing we needed to do at that stage of the game was let's pass out some door hangers. Let's get some people trying to use this thing. And let's also figure out how do they normally uh hire a lawn mowing service you know and and the thing we always would hear from these folks was like well i would call recommendations from friends and family and they'd never call me back and then i'll out of sheer desperation i'll go to google and type lawn mowing service near me and we would hear that over and over and over again so that was a key insight in the early days like well okay you know uh maybe google organic is is something that we need to look at and 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 there again we were like confronted like this is really tough but we we understood this is a bet-the-company decision. We're going to be good at one channel. Let's pick the one channel we can compete at, and that's the one we picked. So we didn't pass out door hangers forever, but it was just enough to, like, get us to the next stage of the game and then focus on Google organic search as, as our one channel that we were just going to throw all of our weight into.
0: I know Gene and I got into that a little bit in our previous 2019, so I recommend go checking it out. The episode is 745. I'll link that up to the show notes if you guys want to check it out. But we talked a lot about how SEO really helped you guys out in the early days. the The one thing I want to talk about, Brian, I love that you sold a business, you know, for let's say millions of dollars. Like you made it, right? Like, but you're still reading a book and going back to square one and be like, you know, most people are like, yeah, I know how to do this. You know, I built the business, I sold the business, but you went back to square one. I love how you did that. And then, secondly, it was just the what was the other thing I want to talk to you about? Uh, no, I, here, let me give you some time, right? But I love that. I was just like, oh my God, you're just going back in. Oh, how did you get that customer feedback? I was talking to somebody else who was building like the Uber of car wash. And he was like, I was literally the person washing the cars because I wanted to hear from the customers. So how did you get that customer feedback in the early days to know this is what they wanted? This is what they did not like things like that.
1: Yeah, yeah. So I'll never forget it. Um you know, building my first business, I got, I got it over eight figures and, and, uh, was making really good money. And like I had a Ferrari and a bunch of stuff and like, like I was living a really good life and, and, uh, I sold all that and sold everything. And I went through like this growth period and it was almost like a self-reflection period of, and I, I came to understand that, that, uh, In a weird way, like my business was the thing that lend like lended purpose to my life. It was the thing that made my life matter, really. Like like the question, if it weren't for me, then what? If it weren't for me, X, like the my business is the answer to that question. And when I sold the company that was gone. And I, and I, and it was almost felt like, uh, I, I felt empty inside and I realized, man, there's only so many beaches you can lay on, you know? And I remember one time I was in Costa Rica and the biggest problem I faced that week was like the bar ran out of my favorite type of tequila. I was like, holy shit, I'm, 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 I'm wired to solve bigger problems than this. And so, and so that was like the thing that seduced me into starting the second company green pal. And and uh, luckily I was naive as to how hard it was going to be or else I never would have done it. Mm. But I think like your business can be the storyline to your life and it can be the thing that makes your life matter. And it can be the thing that lends purpose to your life. And that's what got me in the game the second go around, you know, hanging door flyers, you know, reading books, And, and the business is the thing that like is causing me to level up every, every year and be like, if you're doing, building a business the right way, you should evolve as a completely different person every three, four, five years. And like the, the new project was giving me that. And so it was like, that was helping me like get through that hard point. And so, and so, yeah, I didn't want to pass outdoor flyers and I didn't want to meet with I didn't want to meet with customers in every Starbucks in Nashville, uh, but, you know, that was what it took. And the business is the forcing function to do that. And and it was really painful in those early days, uh, but it was what we had to do to get kind of out of level one. You know, if level one of starting a business is your first thousand dollars a week or thousand dollars a month, you got to do the stuff to get through level one. Don't even worry about anything else. Mm. And that's how we, that's how we looked at it. That's how we approached it. And, and those early days, you know, you know, we would meet with every customer that would meet with us. We would just call them on the phone. Like, Hey, I noticed you tried this app. Thanks for trying it out. Um, I, I saw you got a transaction. I want to see how it went. And they would tell you like, hey, I really appreciate that. Um, if you would be so kind, I've got to, you know, I, I would love to like come down to, you know, wherever they were, Franklin, Tennessee, or, or Brentwood, Tennessee, and, and meet with you and, and, and just pick your brain for, for 15, 20 minutes about how you liked it. And and your feedback could be in very informative of how we approach building out this business. It's really important. Wow. And about two out of 10 people would, would take us up on that. Right. Really cool people, man. Like really, they just wanted the help. They wanted to help. They saw an entrepreneur that was hungry. They wanted to be a part of, like, something that was new. And, and they stuck with us for years. Still, we have people using it to this day that were a part of that early court. And they, want, they, 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 they liked the idea of just being able to help somebody build something from scratch. And, and that was instrumental. Because like anytime you're building a new business or growing a business, there's there's like company logic and there's customer logic. And there's a big gap between the two. And you have all of these assumptions as the company founder that really aren't true. And the only way to close that gap is 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 that is that feedback. And you got to solicit it. And that, that's what got us through the first several years.
0: I love that. I love that. The couple of things I want to get into that I want to make sure we hit on. One was how you spent hundreds of thousands of dollars on a team that designed the first app. What was the lesson? Cause it didn't go off as well as you thought it would go off. What was some of the lessons there that you can impart on our audience who might be in the middle of building their app?
1: Yeah. And in, in business and in entrepreneurship, there's all kinds of dichotomies, things that like don't make sense that, that you have to kind of hold in your head at the same time. And, and, uh, and so one of those dichotomies is, is, is like, Oh, you've got to delegate you got to delegate and then on the other hand no you really kind of have to do it yourself first and so it's like we delegated too soon we we came out of the gate and we thought well you know I, I know the industry and I know what people want and it doesn't matter that we don't know how to design or build software that's just like a minor detail we can pay somebody to do that um and so, like, let's just, like, focus on the marketing and and pay somebody to do all of the product design and product development and execution on, on the tech, tech side, and, and we'll be off and going. And so, delegating without, like, some sort of 80-20 domain experience and, and delegating too soon is usually a recipe for disaster. You can't delegate from what they call abducation, and that means I don't know how to do this, you handle it. The only way to delegate and 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 have a success is to delegate from stewardship which is I know how to do it I have been doing it this is how we do it here and why now you're going to follow our process and do it better than I can and so to get to that point of stewardship delegation my co-founders and i had to go through a a growth period of learning how to build software learning how to code learning how to design software learning how to design a marketplace having some sort of of experience and and capabilities to execute these things ourselves. then we could build a team around us and build out build out a, a team of specialists that could do it so much better than we ever could but only until you get to that 80 20 level uh, of like, I know 80% of the domain by, by mastering 20% of the knowledge, Yeah. then can you delegate? Um, but we delegated too soon. And then it was, it was just a recipe for disaster. We, we pissed away like 150 grand, uh, with a shop that built a, a piece of crap app. And it was just like our ticket price to the game. And we had to, we had to lick our wounds and keep moving forward.
0: Did you guys learn how to code or design? What did you, what came first?
1: All that um, we, we I, you know, after <laughs> after that first yeah after that first uh, like swing and a miss you know we, it was a gut check moment um, and it was very much like a burn the boats moment for us it was it was like okay do we really it's a lot harder than we thought it was going to be do we want to quit. Or do we want to keep going? And again, we at least had met with a hundred some odd people and had the validation to know that no, people will use this. If the damn thing worked and we figured out all like these hundred problems, people will use it and they'll keep using it. So we had the validation. We could see like the future. you know, we were inventing a brand new product from scratch, but but we could see that if 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 we just fixed all these things and did all this other stuff that we could make it work. So that was enough validation for us to, to keep moving forward. And uh, my, my co-founder went to like a boot camp in Nashville uh, to learn Ruby on Rails and, and I learned how to become a terrible front-end engineer just through every online course and blog posts and YouTube channel I could find. And and my, my co-founder Gene, you know, he learned you know the the basics of UX, UI, and and also you know things around distribution like PR and, and SEO. And we just really spent three years working on the business in the business and on ourselves and going through that process we were then able to to start to slowly get some traction slowly get some revenue and slowly build out a team around us the first few years were really really tough
0: well i mean congratulations in 2020 you guys generated over 20 million in annual revenue so congratulations on that man
1: i appreciate it man you know it's 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 you look back it's we're eight year overnight success and you know it's 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 you can look back and say wow look how far we come but it just it never feels that way it all like Jeff Bezos it's always day one it just always feels like day one because you you see how much further you have to go you see how much white space there is and so it it very much still feels like the first year where we only have 50 transactions in a week you know you know we're, we're doing thousands and thousands and thousands a day but it's like it just still feels like day one because we're dropping the bucket in terms of like how much opportunity there is
0: well, Brian's still hustling. He he told me that he does a podcast episode interview every single day, like at least once a day. And I was like, "Oh my gosh, Brian, that's nuts! I don't even yeah. do that. And I have a podcast." That's hey, crazy. hey, this,
1: this stuff's fun for me. I'll tell you. <laughs> I'll tell you some of the grind that I still do that that sucks is uh. There's this thing called hero, Help a reporter out.
0: Yeah, yeah. And
1: uh, comes out three times a day, yeah. and <laughs> and you can get on heroes, there, right? You can get on there and you can pitch journalists on stories and things. And I still do that. And that's a grind. Yeah. Here we are eight years later, eight figures. And I'm still like, my day is my day. The cadence of my day is laid out for when like the Hayro emails hit. (laughs) So I have an hour on everyone. I was like, okay, here's somebody uh, who writes for the wall street journal, who wants to do an article about dress code in the workplace. Let me pitch a story on this based on my 20 years of experience. And I've been in the wall street journal in uh, Harvard Business Review and Forbes, Inc. Entrepreneur yeah. through HARO, through grinding that thing out, man. So yeah. that sucks. This is fun.
0: Okay. Yes. I agree <laughs> with that. I <laughs> have <Having> done both. <laughs> this is so much easier.
1: Yeah. This is a lot of fun. <laughs> That's not fun. <laughs>
0: hey, Brian, one thing I want to talk to you about is, you know, so we have a gr- lawn service and it it's not like we just have the same person show up every Tuesday. You know what I mean? And the way we found it was Oh, our neighbor has one. Okay. <laughs> you know, like you guys want to do our lawn. Well, how do you like, are, how do you do the repeat customers? How do you figure out like, all right, do people generally stick with just one or do they go with others? How does that work?
1: Yeah. So if you are a homeowner and you come yeah. onto the GreenPal app, uh, odds are you've been flaked on, somebody's let you down, your grass is three, four feet tall. Um, if you solve the problem already, you usually don't come to the GreenPow app. And that was one thing that we, kind of under indexed on in the early days we thought we were developing the cheapest way to get your grass cut now the price is very is is very cost effective on our marketplace because it's competitive but that's not actually the problem we're solving the problem we're solving is speed and reliability and so price matters but it's not the main reason somebody uses the app so homeowner comes on they they get hooked up with a great lawn mowing service and, and right out the gate and they come and do it and then like after that now what well Then everything from that point forward is built around one thing. Let's get you hooked up for the entire year on recurring lawn mowing visits. You just push a button and everything's set up and it just happens Mm. now for the vendor. They stick with it. They like to continue to use it because they have one place for all of their business. Like they have one place for all their CRM, all of their routing. They get paid within 24 hours for all of their work. They have one place for all of their marketing automation and, and they don't have to pass out flyers and door hangers anymore. So they're kind of locked in and they don't really want to do it the old way. And homeowners, once they push a button to get this thing done, they don't really want to do it the old way either. Does Do people like try to disintermediate Sometimes, but it doesn't happen that often because it's kind of like if you ride in an Uber to the airport, you know, I, you know, theoretically you could cancel and like pay the guy cash and save a dollar, but you just see it's not very practical. That's kind of how it unfolds on our platform. And we're in the job of making the introduction, making that very smooth and seamless, and then also just push a button. And it just happens for the rest of the season. Without you having to constantly is the guy coming? Is he not? He didn't show up this week. Um, there's a weird, mysterious thing uh, like of the the disappearing lawn guy. For some reason, you know these 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 guys come and go and they just flake and they disappear on you. And uh, we help prevent that from happening. And in the case that it does happen, you can just very easily hire somebody else on the platform.
0: That's cool. So do you find that people generally get it get into like a rotation, like a weekly rotation, where it's like every Wednesday, every Tuesday they come? Is that how people are using the platform?
1: Yeah. The, the, the one thing that we've, we've noticed is lawn mowing services typically when we first started was perceived as a luxury service, like almost like a, like a home cleaning service, like not everybody's got a maid. Um, and, and, and it's almost like, or like if you paid somebody to come detail your car or something like that, it, like, that's kind of where it was in like the consumer mindshare. And as time has gone on, it's been our goal to, to yeah, make, that use case seamless, but really expand the market for working class folks that mm-hmm. might have a household income of, of, of 40 grand, but, but understand that if they mow their own yard, they're making less than minimum wage. And, and these types of, 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 of consumers really just want to do it every two weeks. And so it, you can stretch it every two weeks. Now, contractors don't want to mess with that because it's more of a pain for them to mess with than than not and so a lot of times the the consumer use case of trying to get it every two week service cadence is is really difficult nobody will call them back they'll do it one time and so on our app makes that really smooth for consumers and makes it profitable for lawn care services it's like okay on on i've i'm doing a hundred grand a year and it's comprised of, of two hundred customers that are on an every two week or interval, and it just I just every day I know where I'm supposed to be. I know that I'm going to get paid within twenty four hours, and so it creates a win win around this type of use case, and it makes the lawn mowing service affordable and within reach and within budget for somebody who may have a household income of forty or fifty thousand dollars a year.
0: Yeah, I like it. And I like how you kind of said, you know, the way I thought about it when you said this, Brian was. You're kind of like Stripe, like I use Stripe. We have a monthly recurring business in our, in our business and it's, it's Stripe, right? Like it's, it's, and you guys are sort of like that. Like, it's not like you just make everything easier. Stripe takes a cut, but it's sort of like, there's a reason why I use it because there's ease of use there. And it's not, it's less like where when I think of Uber, it's like one time, you know, you got, you don't stay on with the same person, but you guys kind of remind me of a Stripe where it's, it's a platform that provides me a service that I really need. Our customers pay through Stripe. They take a cut. I use Stripe all the time because, you know, it's just more convenient for me too. And it manages all our customers and our payments. So. Yeah, I
1: think, I think no matter what platform marketplace you're building, it yeah. doesn't matter if you're building the Uber for home cleaning, or you're building an Upwork, or you're building, you have to as the marketplace add, there's probably some heuristic, maybe three times or five times or 10 times more value than you're taking out. Mm-hmm. Because if not, what's the point of, of the, of the, of the participants using the marketplace somehow through technology, you have to unlock enough efficiency for both sides of the marketplace to, to want to try it, use it and keep using it. And the disintermediation, if it occurs on your marketplace, it's not happening to you. It's happening for you to, as, as a signal that, okay, we're not adding enough, we're not delivering enough value in this corner of the marketplace. Okay. What do we got to do to fix that? And, uh, and to your point, like, you know, stripe, you know, it's taking 3%, but you know, it's just, I mean, try doing it the old way or try, or try (laughs) using some, you know, like you're just not going to do it. And, and really they probably deliver three times more value than that. And so that's kind of how we look at it.
0: Yeah, I agree. And I think it was, I think it was Gary V or somebody who's, who said it, but essentially, you know, like, what's it? Damn it my brain is like <laughs> malfunctioning here i'll get to it brian i'll get to it but anything i miss that you want to make sure we cover
1: hey you know uh there's a million gary vee uh quotes we could we could pull from uh uh i so i, I got a love hate relationship with gary vee i love yes. that guy and, and hate him at the same time
0: <laughs> <laughs> but oh you know when i talked to gene it was 40 states i'm assuming you guys were all all 50 states now, or yeah, all 50 at?
1: states. We're in every major city. Uh, anybody that's got a professional sports team, we're in it, and, and and have a liquid marketplace. Now we're we're moving towards the smaller towns throughout the United States and nice. installing the network there, like you're Lincoln, Nebraska, or Wichita, Kansas, or Peoria, Illinois. You know, these these places have a hundred thousand, two hundred thousand residents. So we're we're uh, we're moving the market into those those smaller towns. And then after we we feel good about that, we have liquidity in all of those cities. Then we're going to move into Canada and and UK and Australia in in the coming years.
0: Amazing. Well, congrats, man. You're going to have to come back after you sell this company. And then uh, hopefully I get invited to some big party.
1: (laughs) Absolutely. Uh, Yeah. Yes. And yes.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Brian, anything else you want to cover before we hit the big finish?
1: Yeah. You know, um, anybody listening into this, that is like on the fence about, uh, "Ah, should I start a business? Should I not? I hate my job, you know, like get in the game, Get in the game. Like the business can be the thing that makes like your life purposeful. It'll be the best thing you ever do with your life. Give it a decade. Um, the first four years are going to be really tough, but I promise you won't regret it. So, because so get in the game. Because only when you're in the game can you win. And uh, anybody wants to reach out to me, hit me up on Instagram Brian M Clayton or anybody that wants to try out our app Green Paladis, download it in the App Store or Play Store.
0: I love that, Brian. You know, I my brother-in-law he was thinking about taking a year off. He's a teacher. And he wanted to focus on he loves drawing and selling his artwork, right? There's a site that he does pretty well on called Teachers Pay Teachers. And he's like, he was on the fence. He wasn't sure he was just having another He was having his first baby soon. And I was like, dude, I couldn't stand it. I had to call him. So I just called him one day. And I was like, Hey, man, you're gonna regret this. If you don't do this, you have to take the year off if your wife is already supportive of you, you got everything going and you're going to have a baby, you don't know what's going to happen after that baby. You can always go back to teaching. He won't like teacher of the year too. And I was like, you're going to regret it. If you don't do this, I just couldn't stand it. And I I had to say something. Right. And I had this and he did. And and I think it, it it really fueled him and, you know, his, that allowed him to take off from teachers pay teachers. And he's got a really good business there too, but that supplements his teacher income. But like, I think he really enjoyed it, but I couldn't stand it. I couldn't just sit in the sidelines and not say something. And I would regret it. I'd be like, yeah. look, I have to push him. And he's, he's lucky to there. have
1: you in his life to help him make the leap of faith, man. Because it's hard. It's hard. It you is know, hard. The unknown is hard, but it is it is worth it. It's just going to take a long time.
0: Brian, you got an inspirational story, man. So thank you so much for sharing this. But let's go to the big finish. This has been absolutely amazing. Brian, besides Green Pal, give us another app that we should definitely check out.
1: Oh, man. We're so lucky these days because <laughs> – as entrepreneurs, we have all of this stuff that helps us like get through the first few years. Um, YouTube University is, is is like how I learned almost everything I know. <laughs> Are you serious? Uh, yeah, yeah. Everything almost 90% of like like I have like 100 mentors that have never met me. I have just like consumed everything that they have put out on YouTube. So like we're very lucky. Uh, we talked about delegation earlier, you know, figure out the 80-20 on this stuff the 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 three the two five things what product design marketing whatever uh, the tech side all of this the legal HR all this stuff and then and then delegate and then so well how do I delegate like I, I can't hire a full time developer well get on Upwork Upwork.com and hire the best developer you can on there Upwork.com is the entrepreneurs like Best app that they can use. I I I have it on my phone. I'm in it like five hours a day. I got I got nine Upwork tabs on my browser open all the time. I have probably thirty people that work for me through Upwork, and they're all awesome at what they do. So Upwork is the best high leverage app that you can use to 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 grow your business, particularly in the early days.
0: I like that. Yeah, I've got a couple of postings on Upwork too. Any tricks there that allow you to hire good people?
1: Yeah, read the book, The Four Hour Work Week. Uh, that book was written like 14 years ago, and 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 uh, you know he's talking about how to create a good Upwork uh, a job listing, you know, 14 years ahead of his time, and the, the principles around how Tim Ferriss talks about. Creating a good job posting on a site like Upwork, just before Upwork existed, still ring true to this day. Like, right. like create trip wires in the in the in the job posting. Like little things that make sure that you know they read it. You know, like yeah. uh, look for like like create a test job for. Let's say you're going to hire a a social media marketer. Create a test job and hire them for 10 hours and have them do like three or four tasks. That's one of the best things about it is you can, you can really date before you marry. Whereas if you hire a person full time, you know, you're kind of stuck with this like rigid process of firing them. Whereas on Upwork, you can like, you can date a lot of different freelancers and and figure out who's the one you want to really bring on full time. Man, it's awesome. I wish if it existed in my, you know, when I was building my first company, (laughs) I probably could have double the outcome I had. So there's no excuse. There's no excuse these days.
0: What's a lesson, Brian, that took you the longest to learn? It could be business or personal.
1: Uh, you know, I, I, it took me a long time to learn uh, in the early days of starting my first business that you have to be like 80, 20. 20- good at a lot of different things like like the like the, the video game super mario kart like you had five drivers right and like yeah. all of them were really good at one thing like like princess was, had a high acceleration uh toad was really good at handling bowser was like the fastest top end and then you had mario and mario was like half good at all these things he yeah. really wasn't the best driver like if you were skilled yeah. If you were really highly skilled, he wasn't the guy you want to go with. But if you were just getting started, Mario was the best driver because he, he was like like half good at all the stuff. I think you're starting a business, you have to be Mario. You're going to have to be like half good at, at everything. And and like two of those things are like management and leadership and mm-hmm. understanding the difference between management and leadership. And then taking time to develop yourself as a leader, even if you only have three three employees, five or 10. You know, I spent years as a terrible leader, nobody teaches us how to be a leader, you know, you, you're not taught to how to be a leader in, in school, in high school or college, like you have to learn this stuff. And, and so like investing time in yourself to learn things like leadership and management is something you're going to have to do. And it's a mistake that I made, I, I, I was a terrible person to work for, for three or four years until I figured it out. Um, that's, that's something that's kind of keeping the back of your head. If, you, if, if you're, you know, if you're thinking about starting a business, or if you have a few employees, you're going to have to develop yourself as a leader.
0: No better way to end than that the website is yourgreenpal.com yourgreenpal.com or search for GreenPal in your favorite app store you'll find it there if you want to follow brian go to instagram and then it's brian with a y brian m clayton if you just click on brian's name in your favorite podcast app right now you go straight to his instagram account brian anything i missed you want to send the user anywhere else
1: no nah, man that's it that's everything thanks for having me on i really, this was I really so enjoyed awesome, it man.
0: Congrats on all your success. You truly, truly deserve it. I loved all the hustle from the early days. And I think it's a testament to where you're at today. So thank you so much for coming on and doing this.
1: Thanks for having me on.
0: Thank you all for listening. I'll see you on the next chat. Want to increase your downloads and revenue? Check out our new ASO master service, where we help you with ASO optimizing your revenue and we'll even manage your Apple search ads and Google ads. Learn more at asomasters.com. Thanks for listening to the App Masters podcast. For show notes and amazing app marketing content, check out appmasters.co.